I remember the uh, first time that um, I had kind of a uh, near-death experience. I was about nine, maybe ten years old at the time, and this experience involved a, a green Stingray bike, a ramp, and three metal trash cans. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not sure where I'm going with this, you, you've got to remember I grew up in a time when uh, Evil Knievel was huge. And if, you do, if you're too young to know who that is, just turn somebody and ask them. So. But, uh, my buddy uh, had just jumped one trash can. And so I was going to amp it up. I decided I would skip two and go straight to three. And uh, that was kind of how I approached everything in life, this all-out kind of mentality. And as I look back on it, I think part of it was uh, a little bit of compensating on my part because I wore tough skin jeans. And all my friends, you know, they had uh, Levi's. And, you know, I just didn't have those like everybody else did. And uh, so I, I set the trash cans up. I built the ramp a little bit higher. And then I took a little bit longer run at it. And... Um, as I was heading in, I thought, okay, I'll pop a wheelie, that'd be cool, kind of give the effect, and so I did that, and about the time I hit the ramp, panic struck. I realized I was in serious trouble, and um, you, you got to remember, this was a time before you had helmets and pads and those kinds of things, and so I, I'm committed, and I hit the ramp, and I crashed. And I, I trashed one of the metal trash cans, okay? And, and so the kids that were around, they come running. They're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just kind of laid there like, what? What? And uh, then they started talking. They're like, look at all the blood. You know, maybe he's going to die, you know. And then one of the guys like, can I have your bike if you don't make it? And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, true friend, true friend. Uh, my best friend was Catholic, and so he assessed the situation. He was kind of a serious sort, and uh, he, uh, he goes, someone needs to give him last rites. <laughs> and then, this, honestly, the squirreliest kid of us uh, goes, I've seen it on TV, I'll do it, you know. And so, we, and in that moment, it got me thinking, what if? I die. Now, about that time, my dad come running across the, the street, and uh, he's like, nobody's going to die today. Shake it off, Damon. Get up. And I'm thinking, it's hard to shake off a coma, you know? <laughs> it's like, but uh, my dad, he was always like, there you go. Come on, son. You're, you'll be fine, you know? And uh, dad kind of assessed things, and uh, he was in charge of the emergency rooms in the hospital at, at the time, and so he assessed it. We took a trip to the hospital, nine stitches, and everything was fine. And I'll tell you, that was one of dozens, seriously, dozens of times that I went to the hospital. I was a very slow learner, okay? <laughs> Move ahead 10 years. I'm in my early 20s. Appendix ruptures. I end up getting uh, cellulitis poisoning that set into gangrene. Three operations later, I went from 195 pounds down to 116. I spent almost a year. I was in the hospital 49 weeks uh, in the hospital in Springfield. And um, I don't remember several weeks, but I do remember before I got really bad the doctor came in and kind of informed me that they could not keep sustaining life, that I was losing weight faster than they could put it back on and they didn't know what to do. And basically they said, you need to get your house in order. You need to say your goodbyes. And friends, in, the, in that moment, everything clarifies. It gets crystal clear. The moment you think, I'm dying, changes everything. Now, I don't know why, but God 
decided I was going to have more time. I look back on that situation, and as difficult as that was, when I think about all the years that I spent um, recovering, trying to get back in in shape, uh, in a real way, that was the greatest gift that I've ever received in my entire life because it gave me perspective. That experience changed my thinking. It kind of took it to a different level. I began to look at things different. I began to look at the eternal aspects of life. I began to realize that life is precious, and I longed to understand the meaning of life. Then I began to think about things like my legacy, you know, to try and figure out what my purpose in life was. And as I understood life being very temporal, it just, that moment changed me. It changed me. Given the opportunity, I think all of us try to avoid thinking about death, and we definitely don't like talking about it. You know, I have said, if you're ever in a conversation, you ever been in one of them conversations, you're like, please, somebody save me, get me out of here? Come on, how many? You've had it. You go, yeah, I was talking to you the other day, and I thought, somebody save me. Um, But... If you want out, you know, you're having trouble breaking free, this is a freebie today. Just go, hey, speaking of death, and then watch. I mean, seriously, it will kill a conversation. You, you find people will head for cover. You know, they'll be like, hey, I got to go. There's a documentary on grub worms I've really been wanting to see. You know, <laughs> let me out of here. But we just don't like talking about death. You know, we just don't like it. But the reality is, we all die. It's inevitable. No matter how rich you are, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how successful you are, mortality, mortality is the great equalizer. You know, how many people under 40 in here? Let me see your hands. All right, all right. Now, how many people saw someone raise their hand and you know they're over 40? Just raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, with Botox and all the other kind of things we can get done, you know, 60 is a new 40. And uh, so, hey, um, here's what I think I think most people that are under 40, think they're invincible. I think most people, if you were to talk to someone that's in that age group, they'll go, oh yeah, I'm going to live to be 100. And the, the fact is, life is fleeting. I mean, it seems like yesterday, in my mind, that I was popping wheelies and crashing into trash cans and creating havoc for, for my parents. Time flies. I mean, that's a common phrase. It's something we hear all the time. Time flies. No, it's not, that's not true. I mean, time doesn't fly. That is a fallacy. You know, the, it is one of the only constants that we have in life. It is something you can count on. Inflation doesn't affect it. Technology doesn't affect it. Nothing affects time. The fact is, 10 minutes, right now, 10 minutes, in 100 years, will be the same if you look at 10 minutes. Time does not fly, does not fly, but it does tick away. Tick, tick, tick. And you never get it back. You never get it back. James uh, 4 says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. 
Isn't that upbeat, huh? <laughs> but it's true. It's true. That verse commands our attention. I mean, what's it saying? James is saying, pay attention. Pay attention. Life is short. Life is short. You know, instead of blaming time, like, like it has a will of its own, like it's working to make your life miserable, you need to understand that time is neutral. The question is, what are you going to do with your time? You know, will you take responsibility for it? Will you be a good steward of the time that God has given you? You know, the psalmist writes, teach us to use wisely what? All the time we have. You know, I believe if we grasp that verse, that it could change your life. If you could just grasp that. I mean, my prayer through this series is that God would teach us to use time that we're given to the best of our ability, that we would make the most of it, that God would help us not to waste time, that whatever amount of time that we're given, that God would help us to identify the true values of what matters most in this world, and that God would give us the power to kind of stay focused and revolve our lives around those values that matter. Because I believe without knowing, without knowing what those values are, without knowing what matters most in life, what, what will last, what will last into eternity, without knowing that, if you don't ever address those critical issues, those critical questions, you know what you'll do? You live by default. You live by default, and when you live by default, what you do is adapt the values of the world. I mean, very quick glance at the world, you realize most people fall into one of two categories. They either live by the world's values, or they live by God's values. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, well, you'd be wrong, Damon. I live by my values. I'll say it again. You either live by the world's values or God's values. The fact that you use the word my values just, just means you took ownership of it. That's all. The fact is, you get to choose. You know, Paul, he wrote to a group of uh, people that were attending a church in Thessalonica. Some of them were living by the world's values, and some of them were living by God's values. And he writes this, he says, Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Sometimes people go, well, that means you're supposed to work. But this verse is bigger than that. Because Paul kind of calls out one group. He says, you're wasting time. And then he encourages the others. He says, keep making good choices. Use your time well to do good in this world. You know, he starts out, he says, yeah, we hear that some of you. We hear that some of you. And when I read that, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder about us. You know, what are people saying about your life? If I was to go out on the street, what would I hear? What would I hear? You know, what would people write about you? We hear that they're making very poor decisions. We hear that they're wasting time. We hear that they're making great decisions with their time. They're making a difference in this world. We hear that they know what matters most in life, that they're pursuing that with a passion. What would we hear? What would we hear? It says living idle lives. You know, I, I think most of us were going, uh, 
idolized? Give me a break. I'm anything but idle. I mean, I'm going full blast. You know, I'm moving fast, 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 fast. I got so much stuff I'm doing. But let me ask you something about that. Is all that movement important? You know, many times we, we hear the word idle. And what do you think about? Sitting still. You know, letting the engine idle. You know, not doing anything. But it's interesting, if you look at other versions, the, the translation, the Greek word is busybody. Busybody, not idle, it's busybody. It, it kind of takes it up a notch. I mean, what's a busybody? Don't point to anybody. <laughs> it's someone that has a lot of movement, but no substance. The wheels are spinning, but they're not really making progress. They're extremely busy. They're just not busy doing what really matters in life. Somehow, friends, we have mistaken, especially in the United States, we have mistaken busyness with importance, and that is not always true. That's not always the case in life. Just assess yourself on this. You know... Are you investing time, your time, in what matters most? Are you pursuing values that you would pursue? And here's how you put it in perspective. If you found out you had a year to live, how would you order your life? You know, Paul Paul kind of... Uh, is encouraging the people to move in the right direction when he, when he says, never get tired of doing good. You know, he's writing to, to people that are doing the right thing. They're, they're right with God. They're focusing on what really matters. And Paul apparently assessed that and he saw a danger. He said, there's a danger that you'll grow weary. And doing good. You'll grow weary in doing what really matters the most in life. And I think we could adhere to that. That we ought to listen up to that warning. That we ought to be careful. That we focus on what matters. That we live life. And here we are, perspective. We live life as though we're dying. As though we're dying. Because when you live that way. I would argue you really start living. When you live that way, it makes all the difference in the world. If we are, were to live as though we were dying, you would develop crystal clear vision of what you should be doing in your life. You would immediately identify what matters most. And you find... All that is around relationships. You would start living on purpose, with a purpose in your life. You would seize each moment of each day and use it to the best of your ability. And no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, whether you just are checking it out or you have been a seasoned follower and you have given it to God, what you would find if you live like you're dying is you would grow closer to God if you were to get that perspective you know if you ask me one of the greatest verses that speaks about testimony of a life well lived is in Acts 13 it's talking about David uh, we talked about him last week but it says David served God's purpose in his generation I, I cannot think I would love to have that on, on my tombstone you know what a statement. You served God's purpose in your generation. You marked eternity. I mean, what an amazing thing to, to begin to, to live. You know, it's that learning to, to live as though we were dying. Because we are. Learning to live with one eye on eternity. Learning to live on purpose for God's purpose. And when we live for God's purpose, I believe we start living life to its fullest. David, David served God's purpose in his generation. 
here's my question for you. What's God's purpose for your life? You know, the Bible, Bible is very clear about purpose. It doesn't leave us guessing, wondering, hmm, I wonder what God wants for me. It's really clear about God's purpose. It kind of lays it out. Ephesians 1 says, long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind. He's talking about you and me. Had settled on us as a focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. You know, long ago, he decided. The Greek carries the idea that God had always had this in his plan, that it was an unchanging plan, that he was going to adopt us, that we are created to be a part of God's family, that we're made to have a relationship with him, that we're made to be loved by him, and for him to be loved back. I mean, friends, if you don't get that, you will miss the whole point of this life. You know, I've said before, we are not just here to have fun and make money and retire and die. The, the fact is, it's a much bigger picture than that. If you never develop a relationship with God while you're on this earth, you missed it. You missed the whole point of life. You just missed it. You know, God wants us to be a part of his family. That's why what Faith Fellowship does is so vital. Because we are about reaching people for God so that they'll know their purpose in life. Is everyone part of God's family? No. Everyone's created by God. Everyone's loved by God. But you only become a child of God by having faith in Jesus Christ and the works of Jesus Christ. You know, saying, God... I want you as my Savior. I want to be part of, of the family. Paul writes this. He says, this is his purpose. When the time is ripe, he will gather us all together to be with him in Christ forever. God's purpose for you. It's kind of three, threefold. It's one, to get to know him. Then to take that step and become part of the family. And ultimately... Spend eternity with him. That's the purpose. I think sometimes we miss that. We don't understand that. You know, you hear a, a song like, uh, and I like the song, um, Circle of Life. It's kind of Buddhist background concept, but it makes for a really good song for a good Disney movie, you know. But that is not really true. Life is not a circle. It is linear. Life is moving in one direction. It is focused. It has a purpose. It's ultimately going to have a climax with us being gathered up. You know, Jesus one day is going to come back and take everyone that put their faith in him. He's going to bring them together. And you notice for how long? How long? Forever. You know, you could take hundreds and hundreds of philosophy classes and never get this. Life, life, life is preparation for eternity. You know, Ecclesiastes says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. We are made to last forever. The question is, where? You know, it's one of two places, either heaven or hell. You know, when the body dies, when it decays, we don't. We don't. We go on forever. We will either be with God or we'll be without God, and that's all based on our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it is a gross understatement for me to say that God has a long-range plan for your life. Because it's not just 60 years, it's not 80 years, it's not 100 years, it's not 200 years. It's long range, friends. It's eternity. You know, God is more interested in preparing you for eternity than he is just making your life really happy right now. 
You know, God wants you to, to experience joy. Don't misunderstand me. He wants you to experience life to its fullest. But make no mistake about it. God will not do that at the expense of you being unprepared for eternity. I mean, how do you prepare for eternity? Well, first step, get to know God when? Now. Isn't that great? We've got a cheat sheet up here. Now. Now. Get to know God now. John writes, to all who receive him, Christ gives the right to become children of God. Again, not everybody's a child of God, but those that receive Jesus Christ. God wants to establish a relationship with you. But first, you've got to accept him as your savior. And then you begin to work on the relationship. I mean, how, how do you establish a relationship? Well, the same way you establish any relationship. You know, for instance, if I want a relationship with my wife, Cindy, what do I have to do? I have to spend time with her? I have to talk with her? I have to invest in her. And the fact is, I cannot have a relationship with her or anyone if I never spend time with them. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if we were talking and we're having a conversation and, uh, I mean, I wonder what would you think if this is what transpired? Hey, saw Cindy at Target yesterday. And then I was like, really? How's she doing? (laughs) Haven't seen her all summer. Been really, really busy. And you'd be like, what? Are, are, you, are you kidding me? Is everything okay? Oh, yeah, 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 I love her. I just haven't seen her. Now, honestly, you do not have to be real sharp here. In about 15 seconds, you could assess from that conversation and go, that's not much of a relationship. And if that was true, you would be right. <laughs> it wouldn't be. And I'd be in Dutch, and it would be ugly. You know, if I want a relationship with Cindy, I've got to talk with her. I've got to listen to her. I've got to spend time with her. And I've got to take those, those steps so that I can develop a relationship with her and maintain a relationship with her. And friends, it's the exact same way with God. It's the same way. You know, the mission of this church is to help bring people into a growing relationship with God. Some of you. Some of you need to start building that relationship. You need to take that step. You know, you need to begin to invest some time spending it with God. Now, don't raise your hand, but I'm curious, did you read devotions that started yesterday? Because if you haven't, I'd encourage you as a way to start this connection on a regular basis to just go online. Go to our website, ffworship.com, and read the devotions each day through, the, through this series. And use them as a way to not only start your day out well, but kind of reading through those thoughts, you can then take them and talk to God about it. You know... Share what's going on in your life. Listen to what God might, might say to you. And start doing it when? Now. And you'll find it starts changing everything in your life. When, when you live in relationship with God, when, when you live with eternity in mind, it changes all kinds of things. You know, what kind of things? Well... Changes how I use my time. I start using my time in light of eternity. As I think about where I'm ultimately heading, it changes how I use my time when? Now. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Colossians, Paul writes, he says, live wisely among those who are not believers. He's talking about while we're on this planet. And make the most of every 
opportunity. While you're on this planet, we are to live wisely. We are to make the best use of every opportunity, every moment of every day. Time is the most precious resource you have. It's worth way more than money. You can always get more money. But friends, you can't get more time. You can't get more time. You can't make it. You can't borrow it. You can't have it. You can't ask somebody to extend you a little extra. Time is time, and you only have so much. And the fact is, the only thing you can do with time is use it. We all get the same amount, 168 hours every week. And the question is, how are you going to use it? How are you going to use it? If you don't learn to use time wisely, all I can say is watch out. Watch out. Because if you can't handle time, I don't give you much hope in handling much of anything else. Because this is big. This is big. Your time right now, what you have, that is your life. Time is your life. Think about that. It's your life. And God is watching to see how you manage your time on this earth. And part of that, he's going to determine what you do in eternity. I mean, you read through uh, parts of Revelation that we're going to all be given things to do, that this life is kind of a, a little test for that. And I believe that the evil one wants to get you so busy doing unimportant things that you don't have time for the important things in life, that you don't spend any time preparing for eternity. And get this, the evil one doesn't care. He does not have to get you doing bad things. People go, well, I wouldn't do bad things. He doesn't care if you do good or bad things. He just wants you to do things and get you so busy that you're not dealing with the things that you need to be dealing with. You know, Acts 20, uh, Paul writes... uh, And take that back. Luke writes, uh, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Evaluate yourself right now. How much of what you're doing, think about the last, you know, two weeks. How much of what you're doing right now will matter? in a year, or five years, or ten years? How much of what you're doing right now will matter in eternity? Use your time wisely. Use it wisely. When you live with eternity in your view, it affects how you use your talents. It changes how you use your talents because, again, we're preparing for eternity by, by using our talents now. You know, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul writes and goes, use every part of your body to give glory back to God. I think there's a uh, misconception. If you were to talk to the average Christian, you go, hey, what do you think we're going to do in heaven? And I think most of us believe that what we're going to do is kind of kick back, chill out, you know, wear robes, float around on clouds. The one I love is we're going to play harps in heaven. It's like, have you had lessons? (laughs) I mean, it's not in the Bible. I mean, the angels might do that stuff, but not us. And and another misconception is we will not be angels in heaven. We will not. I mean, that's just not even biblical. So so what are we going to do in heaven? Well, God has a plan for you and for me. 
And part of that plan is we will serve in some capacity in heaven. There are going to be things that, that we do in order to, to serve God, maybe to take care of one another. And so I'm going to get back to serving now. You know, what are you doing right now that's preparing you for eternity? What are you doing right now that is beyond yourself? What are you doing that's going to matter in 10 years? What are you doing that's going to matter when you're gone? What are you doing that's going to matter in eternity? What are you doing? You know, Romans, uh, Paul writes in Romans 14, he says, so then each of us, will be what? Accountable to God. Now hear me, as as Christians, if you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You will not be facing a judgment to determine if you're going to heaven or hell, or if you're in, you're out. Not going to happen. It's already been decided. Jesus has already paid the price. But, you will give an account as a Christian for how you lived this life. You know, I watch folks around here uh, that are using their talents, you know, using their talents in light of eternity, getting involved, living beyond themselves. And as they're using those talents to change lives and to touch people, the amazing thing, and I get kind of a unique perspective, but I get to watch people as they're serving, and I realize they're growing. They're growing in their faith. They're growing with their skill sets. They're growing with their, their impact, and they're growing with their relationship with God. And they, as they serve, they are preparing to give that account of their life. I've also know the flip side of this. If you're not using your talents, your faith will begin to shrink. Your impact will become very temporal. And your interest or your focus in life will become very, very, very self-centered at some point. And friends, if you stay on that path, you will go into eternity unprepared, And trust me, it will be an awful thing when you have to give an account of your life before God. You will think, what was I doing? Just going through the motions in my life. What was I thinking? I got to stand before the God that created me and say, "Mm, didn't do anything, sorry. But I love Jesus, you know. Eternity impacts our talents, and it also impacts how we use our treasures in this world. Market's been crazy this year, yes? (laughs) I mean, everybody trying to figure it out, you know, figure out what the best place is. Should I pull my stuff out and just, you know, hold on to it? What's the safest place? And the fact is, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions, because I think we're all in the same boat on this one. You know, how many of you have lost money this past year, have lost money in the stock market, in your retirement, uh, in your investments? You know, just raise your hand. How many have lost it? Yeah. See, we are all together, aren't we? Do, do you know what? My mind takes me places sometimes, but I, I, I get thinking about that. I mean, I, I started investing when I was still in my teens, You know, um, most of my adult life, I have been investing. And I looked at that number, and this past year it went, (laughs) like a Slurpee or something. I mean, it was just gone. And then it got me thinking, because, you know, I watched that. I'm, I'm normal like everyone else. I watched that. But I got thinking about all those investments, And then I got thinking about the investments I've made in God's kingdom. And again, been doing that most of my life. 
And what I can tell you is, as I thought about those investments, I thought, you know, God's done some amazing things. And every time I look in a guy's eye or a woman's eye or a little child's eyes, when I look in their eyes, and I know that God has changed them, I have seen them give themselves to Jesus Christ. I've watched them grow in their faith. Friends, every time I come back to that investment and I'll say, that's the best investment I've ever made in my entire life. Hands down. I don't regret it. I don't fret it. It just spurs me on. And I look around this church and some of the lives, and I realize I get to hear some of the stories that maybe you don't, But I just go, wow, I've never seen anything like it. And it's a simple question, and that is, where are you investing? Where are you investing in life? I think I've shared this before, but let's suppose, let's suppose that Congress was to pass a law. And basically, the law would be that sometime over the next year, the next 12 months, that euros are going to become the official currency of the United States. Sometime in the next 12 months, we don't know when, but sometime, and that dollars will become worthless. Nobody knows when, again, but we know that it's going to happen. But you do have the option right now to convert that until that day. You can convert your dollars to euros. If you knew that that would take place sometime in the next 12 months, when would you, okay, when would you convert your money over at least most of your money? When? Cheat sheet again, right? (laughs) If you were wise, if you were smart, you would at least take most of your money and convert it over because you wouldn't want to get caught off guard. You wouldn't want to be sitting there with a lot of dollars that are worthless after that exchange date. You just wouldn't. The the fact is, Jesus says that one day we are going to exchange Everything from this world to the next. That we are going to die. And that only a fool would go into that day unprepared, unprepared for something that we knew was absolutely inevitable in our life. I did some deep research and found that the American mortality rate is 100%. Friends, the day's coming. Eternity is around the corner. And everything will be left in this world. And it will be worthless. It will be gone. And the only way it counts is if we convert it into another economy, into the economy of eternity. It's storing up treasures in heavens, what Scripture talks about. How do you do that? Well, First Timothy says, use your money to do good. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. I love this line. This is uh, from uh, the Living Bible. But it says, It is the only safe investment for eternity, and you will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. I'll be honest with you. I look forward to that day, that exchange day, because most of my life has been about converting my time, my talents, and my treasures into that kind of currency, into what's going to happen in eternity. Where are you banking? Where are you banking? Earth? That's okay. We need to do that. But are you banking in eternity? 
you know, because that's the stuff that's really going to matter. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. I mean, how? Well, you invest in people. You invest in people that are going to heaven. One of the most obscure passages in Bible, Jesus is sharing kind of an investment strategy, I think. You know, in Luke, he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I mean, what's Jesus talking about there? Talking about buying yourself away into heaven? Talking about buying friends? No. No, you can't can't buy your salvation. You can't buy your way to heaven. It was a free gift God gave you. And I found uh, buying friends, good luck with that. But Jesus is saying, you know, the best strategy in life is to take your money, your wealth, and use it to reach people who are ultimately going to be heading to heaven so that when we get there, because of our investment, there are people waiting to welcome us. They're going, thanks for helping. Because of you, I'm in heaven today. Because you invested, I, I'm here. In fact, not just me, my, my spouse is here, my kids, my grandkids, my best friend is here. In fact, I want you to meet them all. You know, and I think they're going to be that kind of thing happening at Heaven's Gate. It's not just going to be our, our, our family We're going to be excited because of those people that marked us, that used their time, their talents, and their treasures, you know. Sometimes I get thinking about that, and it's like, think about the fact we started this church, and I know the lives we're touching right now. But then my mind kind of fast ramps, and it becomes very exponential in in my mind, because I wonder what's going to happen 100 years from now. Something we do now, something we did several years ago, changes a life 100 years from now. Now how many people are being affected? And then you think about eternity. Millions of years from now. Billions of years from now. Someone is celebrating in heaven because of something we do now. Get your mind around that one. Perspective, it, it changes, changes everything. And friends, I get to heaven, I seriously, I want people, not because I want the praise, but I want to know that my life mattered. And so I want people to go, Damon, I'm here because of you, because of what you did. Where are you leveraging your life? Is there going to be people at heaven's gate to greet you because of what you did here? With your time? Talent? Your treasures? Friends, you got to be willing to invest in people, bringing people to heaven. I hear often people say, you know, this church changed my life. I wouldn't be, and then they'll kind of fill in the blank, you know. I wandered into this church one day, and it was just like God got a hold of my heart. I didn't, I don't know how you guys knew I'd be there that day, but the music spoke to me, your words spoke to me, and I gave my life to Christ. My family and I don't miss. We are connected to God. We're tethered to eternity. And friends, that's why I I never apologize. I never apologize about leveraging. I never apologize uh, about the ask, I call it. Because the reality is I ask people to leverage as much as they can, to give as much as they can, to commit as much as they can, to sacrifice as much as they can. Why? Well, because exchange day is coming, and because eternity is in view, and because people, people, people matter. 
Do not trade your life in. Do not sell yourself short and waste this one and only life God has given you. The most important decision I believe you'll ever make outside of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior is this. Am I going to live my life focusing on this world? That's one way to live. Or am I going to live my life focusing on eternity? And friends, the answer, world, eternity, will determine how you use your time, how you use your talents, and how you use your treasures. The other way you can look at that is look at how you use those things and it'll determine world or eternity. Let's stand for for a word of prayer. Uh, Again, remind you we're going to follow up with communion following, following the music, so... Let's bow. Our holy God, God, I pray that we would center ourselves, that we would focus on eternity. God, that we would live each day as though we were dying. And we'd make relationships a priority, our relationships with the people around us, with our family, our friends, our neighbors, and God, most of all, with you. God, I pray that when we lay it down, when I lay it down, Lord, take my last breath. God, I pray that I don't look and say, if I'd have just did a little more, reached out a little better, if I'd have just sacrificed, could have touched one more, one more life. God, I pray that we would give it all up to you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this passion. I pray that you would continue to make us bold. Bold in our faith. Bold in our impact. In this community. Most of all, in eternity. God, we give you the praise and the glory this day. Amen.